live hello everybody welcome to makes you think the show on saturday on the red pill project where usually i'm joined by jim bob but today he is taking the night off he had some things come up that he had to handle that were urgent that's okay life happens so here i am yesterday we talked about health and things surrounding what we eat or what we do for our health and that was an interesting conversation with jim bob thank you guys if you tuned in that was um yesterday friday for conversations on the fringe which the next few episodes josh has a great lineup of get lineup of guests and we'll keep you informed on who's coming up here so stay tuned for the daily dose and morning coffee next week and we'll uh be introducing those as they come by and we look forward to that um thank you guys for joining it's a beautiful day i thought you know since yesterday we talked about health and this sort of thing that today we talk a little bit about philosophy psychology fear power and these kinds of things and a couple books that i've read that i found interesting in this regard and they're sort of controversial and i wanted to talk about them maybe you guys haven't heard of them maybe you have and it'll be a fun conversation so i hope everything's good i think everything looks good on my end if uh, you guys hear me no one's saying they can't so it seems good thank you guys for joining i see black jester patriotic pisces grandma revolt all of you welcome so thank you so much for watching we, i appreciate that and it looks like rumble's cooperating today thank you if you're tuning in from rumble or clout hub or facebook um i'm not forgetting about you guys facebook i saw the comments yesterday i got accused of always forgetting facebook i never forget facebook never one time have i ever forgot facebook so i need i need a clip or it didn't happen Thank you guys for tuning in, wherever you're tuning in, or if you're just listening to the audio, welcome. Please, I appreciate your guys' feedback. This isn't just me to talk to talk. This is, I wish it was a conversation, which is why usually I have Jim Bob here. But, um, you know, I want to hear your opinions and your thoughts. You know, you're tuning in, so let's hear them. And I know a lot of you guys are on the social red pill, and we'll get together after this show, and there will be a Zoom. I will join for a couple hours tonight <clears throat> after the show. And we'll continue the conversation, and I want to hear your thoughts and these kinds of things. How do you live your life? And um, what have you learned in your experience? I know there's a lot of people on here that are much more wise than I am. I tend to be a little bit naive. I'm 29 years old. I've, you know, I'm not very old. I don't have a lot of experience, but um, I'm going to talk about this stuff for how I know it, and I appreciate your guys' feedback. I'm just an average Joe. I'm not a super successful rich guy or whatever, or whatever you define success as. I define it, though, as being happy in the moment. And I will say that the way I've found myself today, I am happy, I'm grateful, and there's a method to my madness to how I managed to get to this point because I've gone through ups and downs. I mean, I still have bad days, don't get me wrong, but I'm relatively happy and I pretty much do, I do whatever the heck I want. And uh, I think that to me is like the greatest success. So to me, I am extremely successful and happy and lived wonderful, live a wonderful life. Very thankful to be born in such an opportunistic area in the world. I mean, that look at that roll of the dice. Yeah, you never know where you're gonna be born. And I was born in Southern California. I mean, you look at it now, it's pretty, pretty bad but uh <laughs> out of all the places i could have been born i'm thankful and i think that there's still hope there but i don't want to get political or anything uh in, on this show because it's saturday we did that all week so we're gonna just talk about a little bit of other stuff but anyway hey gump thanks for joining and if you guys are over there on pilled i appreciate it now it's pretty oops all right 
So the books uh, that I wanted to talk about were The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene, mainly. And I read this book when I was a teenager, and I was like, holy smokes, this is crazy. And I was kind of even more naive and dumb back then, and I thought, oh, I'm going to dominate the world knowing this stuff. And the truth of the matter is, uh, I've read the book again, and I don't have that perspective at all. The The book is uh, controversial, and it kind of comes out of kind of like heartless angle of domination and crushing your opponent and all this kind of thing which i get but i think the benefit of reading this book whether you agree with it or not or it seems too savage or harsh or evil even maybe to some people is this is how people think this is the psychology of a ceo at a company this is the psychology of a world leader or just somebody who who, i don't know this is what people think this is how they operate so it's interesting to know what is going through other people's minds um, then I think that's the biggest benefit to reading this book, whether you agree with it, you want to apply it or not. And I kind of sit in the middle where I don't apply these things. Some of them seem crazy, but it's interesting to know that this perspective and to just add it to your repertoire of information in the back of your head. So I'm looking forward to look at some of the key insights from this book and kind of introduce it to you. Maybe you'd want to pick it up and read it. It's a, not a difficult read. It's really interesting. There's a lot of different stories in it. And um, it's pretty awesome. Also, I wanted to get into maybe a little bit of stoicism, a little bit of philosophy, and maybe talk a little bit about 50 Cent. 50 Cent's 10 Rules for Success, which are pretty interesting. I'm not a huge rap fan. I do listen to some rap, but he does have some good advice when it comes to it. Anyway, well, hey, Raja and Video Demon Slayer. Thank you guys for joining. This is awesome. All right. Well, let's say, let's just get into it. Uh, so let's just start with here. And I hear stories where people are on their deathbed and they say their regrets. Or I've heard a lot of stories where they might insult somebody or whatever. But I wanted to look at the top regrets from people on their deathbed. The top 20 regrets of people on their deathbed. Because... I don't want to have crazy regrets on my deathbed, and I'm just curious as to what people are laying down there knowing they're going to die any moment, and what do they contemplate in their heads, or what do they say to themselves or others? And we're all going to die someday. It's just a thing of life, and it's very sad and hard, but it's a part of life, and it's okay, you know? It's just the cycle. And a lot of us believe, you know, there's an afterlife and all that, and uh, that's all good and dandy. I believe that. So let's see, though. The top 20 regrets by lifehack.org. Number one regret is somebody says, or people have said, I wish I wouldn't have compared myself to others. Everyone struggles with this, but there's nearly nothing that's so detrimental to fulfillment. Instead of comparing yourself to your friends, family, or idols, reflect on how far you've come as a person, even if it's just the person you were yesterday, which is really deep. So... I like this, so yeah, don't compare yourself to others. You're not them, right? You're living a totally different life. Uh, it's a really good one, really good one. Number two, I wish I'd taken action and dove in head first. There's no right way to do something, and if you want to do it, just do it. Just take the risk, because you will regret it. Even if you fail, who cares? You know, people are going to talk crap. People are also going to see how brave and awesome you are, so... You know, F the haters, as they say. Number three is, I wish I'd tuned the world out more. And it says, everyone around you tries to dictate what you are or who you should be, but you let them. No one needs to validate your worth besides yourself, and you will someday deeply regret if you spend your life pleasing the world around you. Don't worry about pleasing your parents, your friends, your bo or bosses. You need to worry about number one first and foremost, always, which is yourself. And I learned this lesson. I've been too nice in my past, especially younger, like just way too nice. And, oh, yeah, sure. You know, people take advantage of you when you're too nice and you end up sacrificing things for yourself in order to benefit others. And I think that could be unhealthy. Um, it's OK to be selfish. And I live my life very selfishly, uh, maybe even to a fault at times. But 
the people around me are the types where they're like, if I say, I want to go do X, Y, Z, they're the type of people who say, whatever makes you happy, go do X, Y, Z, have fun. I'd love to see, you know, let me know about it when you're done type thing, or, you know, they may come along, but that's what I love about the people that I surround myself with is they say, you do whatever makes you happy. And that makes me happy. And same thing for them. Do whatever makes you happy because that makes me happy. I want to, you know, do your thing, live your life, do what, do what you want to do because other people dictating that is no way to live. Um, and think about that for others too. Don't control others and make them do things they don't want to do. Uh, it's okay to have differences there. You know, I'm thinking in like regards to a relationship, you don't have to do everything together in a relationship. It's okay to have different hobbies or do different things and just come together at the end of the day and discuss those different things. And that's totally cool. You don't got to have like this perfect match of we think the same things all the time. That's crazy. It's never going to happen. So let's see. Let's look at another one. Uh, I wish I didn't wait to start it tomorrow. Procrastination. That's huge, right? Excuses are plentiful because they're so easy to make. You will always find reasons to validate your inaction. And this is a common cause of deathbed regret. The things you want to do tomorrow can effortlessly turn into things you wish you did 50 years ago. Yeah, man. And I've heard these things from my own family members like, oh, I was talked out of doing this. And if I would have done it, I, mean, I could have been a millionaire today or I could have advanced my business to where I, my dream, I dreamed. And life would be so different today if I would have just done this. And, you know, just do it. Who cares? And the people around us always try to pull us down. It seems like even friends or family members, siblings, they might say that's the stupidest, craziest thing I ever heard. Like, who does that? But if you want to do it, you do that. Do it, man. Or girl, whoever you are. <laughs> do it. Just do it. All right, let's see what else. I wish I'd taken more chances. This is kind of the same kind of thing. Yeah, you might fail, and it might be embarrassing. But who cares? Fail. F it. At least you said you gave it your best shot, right? At the end of the day when you're facing death. Number six, I wish I would have kept going. Even if you're brave enough to take the chance, failure happens. Where this this failure can turn into major major regret, however, is the decision to quit. When you let the pressure of falling short overcome your love for your endeavor, you lost. Keep going. Yeah, and a big part of these endeavors is the pleasure doesn't come from the success. It comes in the pursuit of the success. Because once you're there, you're just like, meh. And you could hear you know interviews with people that are filthy rich or born into rich families. And yeah, they're depressed because it's not just about this material wealth. It's about the pursuit. It's about meaning in that pursuit. And it's about developing as a person and these other things that are much more valuable than any tangible item. Interestingly enough, as much as money makes things better in many cases, I'm not going to lie. Uh, number seven, I wish I told others how much I love them. That's a good one. Number eight, I wish I was content with what I have. Wow, this is like kind of a Buddhist philosophy here, being content in the moment. Be it more money, more recognition, or more options, we always want more of something. Very few are able to take an honest step back and recognize what, uh, recognize that what they have is more than enough. It's always good to want more from life, but it's essential to truly appreciate what you have. Seriously, enjoy the moment. Just sit there, turn your phone off, disconnect, chill listen to the wind, ground yourself, nothing better, nothing better, especially if you have a full belly and a good beverage or whatever. Oh my gosh, it's over. Spending time with people you love, grandkids, family, whatever, friends, even by yourself. I love to just go to the beach by myself and just chill or wherever. Just totally happy. Perfect. Um... I wish I took better care of my body. That's essential. Yeah. The body, you don't keep moving. It really starts hurting. And, you know, we all have bad habits, drinking, smoking, not moving. It's a tough one. But, yeah, take care of your bodies. You only get this body once. I wish I'd listen to others more. Everyone thinks they're right all the time. And everyone has opinions that they sometimes force on others. It's all right to have them. But it's more important to have the ability to listen. 
even if you don't agree with the point of view, challenge yourself to hear others without passing judgment. Yeah, this is great. Andrea and I go back and forth on things all the time. We don't agree on everything. Even me and Josh, me and Josh don't agree on everything, but we all get along. Even, you know, our community over there on social red pill, we all have different ideas, but most of the time we're able to communicate and get through it. Um, somebody says, I wish I'd not, I'd have not held that grudge. Grudges are ridiculous. And <laughs> I had a thing happen to me yesterday. I was um, in town running errands and I was like turning left to make a U-turn and I was going to turn left and there were people there. So I let these people go first because I didn't want to cut them off. And this lady was behind me and she lays on her horn. She starts laying on her horn and she starts cussing at me. Uh, fucking drive, fucking drive, asshole. And I immediately got pissed off and I got road rage and I, my window was down and I flipped her off and I said, fuck you, bitch. And then she, we turned and, um, she pulled into the store right there, like right nearby. And I immediately regretted flipping her off and saying F you bitch. Um, it was just my reaction. And if I could go back, I'd probably do it differently and just maybe ignore it and move on. But, um, does this regret to this? Yeah, I wish I would not have held that grudge. Yeah, I, t I forgive you. Uh, lady, if you're watching, it's okay. I'm sure you're a nice lady. <laughs> Sometimes a nice... I'm sure you're a very nice C-word. Other days or other times, I don't know. I must have triggered you, but I apologize. I should not have flipped you off and said F you. But uh, you know what? That's something I need to work on. That's a tough one, man. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, yeah, I bet you guys could relate to that road rage. Um, wild. So not my not my best moment. Not my best moment. Um, let's see what else these regrets are, and then we'll get to this book. I wish I'd travel more. Would have traveled more. I wish I'd laughed it off. Having a sense of humor, it's big. I wish I'd left work at work. Yeah, some people dedicate their lives to these these jobs and it totally engulfs their entire life. Um, I wish I'd stay in touch with friends. That's big. I wish I was more aware of the real world around me. It says, I don't believe this is a huge concern for people currently on their deathbeds, but for the millennial generation, this will be a huge regret. We're constantly plugged in everywhere we go. This encourages us to unconsciously ignore the beauty that surrounds us every day. Unplug and look up. You'll be more satisfied with what you find than whatever drama Chandra is starting on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, I wish I had more uh, confidence in myself. Yeah, you got to just believe in yourself and go for it. Who cares what other people think? I wish I trusted my intuition. Yeah. The little voice in your head is there for a reason. Sadly, for many of us, that voice can be self defeating and quite harsh about life there are however many other occasions where that voice is a megaphone for the heart telling you what you truly desire and deeply want listen to it i wish i ran with a better crowd surround yourself with good people that love you and care about you and you'll be good yep don't hang out with losers or you'll become a loser uh, i wish i walked the walk yep people talk and don't walk and that could be a regret wow okay so interesting let's try to not have these regrets with our lives all right let me check the comments real quick what's up what's up hey gump <laughs> meow meow time i wish i listened to vince's wisdom bits more often oh man i am far from perfect man so i want to listen to your wisdom bits too um your mind is the only thing holding you back summer says yes it is my goodness thank you guys for your feedback here Hit those plus signs on Rumble and those shares on Facebook if you would. This helps us tremendously. Um, let's talk a little bit about The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Like I said, it's controversial. I want to know your thoughts. Have you read it? What do you think? And then uh, you could even yeah, wait till the end if you haven't been able to form, the, form those opinions yet, obviously. Um, so here's a little summary of this. The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Feeling powerless is a miserable experience. If given the choice, everyone would opt for more rather than less power. Yet, to be so overt in attempts to gain power is frowned upon. To attain power, you need to be subtle, cunning, and democratic, yet devious. Consequently, in his controversial book, The 48 Laws of Power, best-selling author Robert Greene urges... 
I'm sorry, argues that if you manage to seduce, charm, and deceive your opponents, you will attain the ultimate power. Green states that the better you become at handling power, the better friend, lover, and person you will become. This is because you learn how to make others feel good about themselves, which makes them dependent on you as a source of great pleasure to be around. So yes, you can see already how this kind of comes at a very selfish and weird place, but it talks about a lot of um, like ultimate leaders, like rulers and this kind of thing in these laws of power. And um, the author Robert Greene went on later to write another book with 50 Cent uh, with another uh, 50th law of power added to this, which was really interesting. And he actually met with 50 Cent and they became colleagues and probably friends. I don't know if they consider so. they, they, they may consider themselves to be friends. And Green kind of examined 50 Cent and came up with, you know, how did you become successful? What's his secret to obtaining the power that he's achieved in his life? Because let's face it, he's very successful. Uh, whether you love his music or not, or him as a person or not, he lived a very tough life with a broken, shattered family. Um, he's been shot in the year 2000. He got shot multiple times and uh, nearly lost his life. or could have lost his life. And he's overcome all these things, and he's just... Uh, come out shining in his own way and uh so there's another book there um with 50 cent that's i haven't read that one actually but um i listened to some interviews and stuff with 50 cent and he's on point with a lot of things man but these are pretty harsh things but we'll get into it and we'll talk about it um so there are 48 of these laws and they all come with a little story a historical example of how to utilize these laws um it's really interesting and you know what some people don't want power some people are totally fine just being a small part of, a, of the whole they don't want to control everything but then there's these people out there that really want everything they want to be the richest person they want to have the biggest house on the block they want to run the show which is kind of creepy in a way but in today's society i guess that you have those people um all right, so let's just go. I want to go here. So I'm going to kind of switch gears to some key insights. Instead of just going through all of them, I want to start here. Some key insights from here. This is from thinker.org. Uh, key insights from the 48 Laws of Power. So um, a little bit about the author. Before becoming a best-selling author, Robert Greene had about 80 jobs around the world in fields as varied as varied as construction work, interpreting, screenwriting. Green combined his globe-trotting adventures and interactions with all kinds of people with his survey of thousands of years of human decision-making to distill 48 general, general principles that govern the human hunger for power. For people looking to gain power, guard against losing power, or simply understand its dynamics, Green books have been hailed as an important read by luminaries in world politics, business, film, and music. The following provides a sample of the rules that animate the power game and that people can't help but play. And you know what? Whether you want to just be an average Joe and you're like, I don't, this is not me. I don't want to be powerful. I don't want to be rich. I just want to live my life. That's cool. But understand, somebody around you does want to be in charge and have all the power. And they're going to use this stuff and they're going to manipulate you. So it doesn't hurt to know what the heck's going on. And that's kind of where I come from. I don't want to be the most powerful person in the world myself. But I want to know what the heck is going on in other people's heads. And I don't want to be a victim or a pawn in somebody's big scheme, right? I want to be as independent as I can personally but maybe you do want to be powerful and here you go but be careful out there uh number one even if you are smarter or more talented than your superior keep that to yourself and this is law number one it actually is um don't outshine your master and here's the story in 1661 louis XIV's finance minister nicholas Foucault planned the most uh, opulent banquet europe has ever seen there were elaborate firework displays. A seven-course meal was served featuring Far East cuisine that was unfamiliar to European, Europeans. And someone, uh, someone wrote a play specifically for the occasion. The brightest and most famous of European society were present to admire their host, his, uh, his beautiful chateau, and the exquisite gardens he led them through. The king himself joined the party and strolled through the grounds with Fouquois. Fouqu 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 
The next day, one of Louis XIV's musketeers arrested the finance minister. He was tried and found guilty of pilfering money from the state treasury and sent to a remote, remote prison in the mountains where he lived out the rest of his days. Whatever money he had stolen from the treasury had been at the king's behest. behest. He had generously thrown the party in honor of the king, but he was thrown in prison for his troubles. What did Fuqua do wrong? His problem was that whatever honor he wanted to bring to the king, Louis the Fourteenth, all heads were turned toward him, in effect robbing the pride the prideful and insecure king of the limelight. Fuqua made himself a target by threatening the king's fragile sense of self-worth. He was trying to ingratiate himself with a lavish display of devotion, but he provoked a king's jealousy instead. Not only was Fuqua arrested, but his money was redirected to the king himself, who then used the funds to build an even more elaborate palace in Versailles, in a style very reminiscent of Fuqua's, and then threw even more elaborate parties. The man Louis... Instated to replace Foucault was famous for throwing boring parties. No one is free of insecurities. When you show the world the talents and intelligence you have, you will inevitably kick up people's envy and vindictiveness. You can't let the fragile egos of others rule you, but you need to make an exception for your superiors. If you surpass your master, they could be mildly passive, aggressive, or unbelievably cruel. Depending on how insecure your superior is, you might outshine him simply by being yourself. You might also begin to overestimate your importance and feel that you can do whatever you want. Instead of outshining your master, your goal should be to make your master shine. Masters enjoy their elevated position, and this is your job. It is your job to keep them secure in that. If their skill is intelligence, conceal your own. If it's humor, withhold your wit and support theirs. So this is kind of... So this book, like, I always get the heebie-jeebies are just, like, kind of, like... That's a ridiculous way to live, but I can relate. When I worked a 9-to-5 and... um, was climbing the corporate ladder or whatever, right? Like people like to do starting my career. Uh, you get those people who may have hold higher titles than you who are like, Oh, I don't want that bastard to steal my job. You know, they're going to fire me and they're going to, he's going to replace me. Their job gets kind of cushy. They start slacking, getting lazy. And you're just trying to do your best. I, I experienced this where it's like people are assholes because you're outshining them. They may not be your bosses per se, but just whatever people, you know, further up. It's really interesting, right? Hmm. I bet I bet you guys have probably experienced kind of the same thing where people people get weird in companies. A lot of these things could be directly associated to like a company dynamic too. I realize. Um. <laughs> interesting, huh? All right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, number two, if you can't control your words, you can't control yourself, and you will show yourself unworthy of respect and power. Um, let me pull up all the actual 48 laws of power. I thought I had a link here. Um, do they list them here? Nope. Hold on, sorry guys, I thought I had the link. Oh, one second. Here we go. Alright, so this is number two. Never put too much trust in friends. Okay, so they don't follow this, the same list, but they have the story here, and that's what I want. Um, If you can't control your words, you can't control yourself, and you will show yourself unworthy of respect and power. I'm not sure which law this actually came from. Um, I guess it might be law number four, which is always say less than necessary, which I always found this to actually be really good. Like shut your mouth, shut up. Um, (laughs) don't talk too much. Just like I'm not doing right now. Could get yourself in trouble real quick. Some things are better left unsaid. Uh, and that's a great, great little bit of advice right there. Uh, thank you. Just jewels for the cookie over there on Foxhole. I appreciate that doing my best to uh, go through the chats and pay attention. I'm sorry, Facebook, I can't watch your chat, but I will, I'll look at it after the show and I'll get back to y'all. I appreciate it. appreciate you guys though. All right. So yeah, if you can't control your words, you can't control yourself and you will show yourself unworthy of respect and power. Like I should not have told that lady when I got road rage, F you bitch, probably. Um, 
there's a lot of situations where you should just shut up. So let's just listen to a story here. It's not too long. So the 5th century BC Roman general Gnaeus Marcius, also called Coriolanus, Coriolanus was a strategist for great renown for uh, he was a strategist of great renown throughout the empire. His campaigns had kept chaos at bay and he earned the respect of his countrymen. But while he was practically a demigod as a general, no one really knew him. Still, his reputation preceded him and he leveraged it into leveraged it to gain entry into Roman politics. The first time Coriolanus appeared as a candidate before the Roman people, he showed them his battle scars. No one remembered his speech, but his scars spoke to his courage and loyalty to Rome. He had all but cinched the election. But in the speeches that followed that initial foray into public life, he said far too much, and what he said was pompous. He pandered more to the elites who had begun cozying up to him than to the people. His jokes didn't land. His war stories were self-aggrandizing. Self-aggrandizing. Maybe he was a brilliant fighter, but he showed himself to be self-absorbed. The more he said, the less powerful he became. The mystique of valor and might evaporated to reveal a cocky, insecure soldier. People turned out in droves to vote him down, and he was soundly defeated. It goes on to say, perception is, a, is central to the game of power. If you charge in, speaking your mind, without thought of the consequences, you lose your power. Power builds in those who choose not to waste their words, but learn to tame their mischievous tongues. By contrast to the careless Coriolanus, Louis XIV used silence to enhance his power. He kept his face expressionless as his advisors debated their views on a pressing issue and would end meetings with, I shall see and walk away without another word. Louis would then decide a course without seeking out his advisors further. Louis XIV was garrulous as a young man, but he learned to adopt silence as a way of keeping his cards close. It also served to extract more information from those who would fretfully prattle on to avoid the unbearable silence to which he subjected them. And because no one knew what he thought, they could not tell him what he wanted to hear. They had no idea his reticence gave him power and made what he did say seem profound. If you stay a person of few words, you will appear more powerful than you actually are. We humans are eager to connect dots and interpret what someone else is thinking. People cannot discern your goals or values if you give short answers or no answers at all. Andy Warhol was right when he remarked, quote, I learned that you actually have more power when you shut up. Um, unquote. When you have put words out there, you can't pull them back in. Yeah, I've talked too much before. Uh, Mez. Mez in the comments said, those who anger you control you. That is so true. That lady controlled me like a like a puppet. Uh, road rage lady. <laughs> so this is... I hope you guys are enjoying these little little, little takeaways from this book. Uh, 48 Laws of Power. Get it if you are interested. I uh, would love to talk about it more with y'all. Um... Number three, this is kind of like the art of war type thing. If you can keep somebody in a state of constantly reacting to your moves, you remain in a state of control. There's a story about that. Uh, let's go through the laws, just so you guys know what they are. So number one, like we talked about, is never outshine the master. Fine. Um, number two, never put too much trust in friends and learn how to use enemies. This is very Sun Tzu-esque as well. Keep a close eye on your friends. They get envious and will undermine you. If you co-opt an enemy, he'll be more loyal than a friend because he'll try harder to prove himself worthy of your trust. A really interesting theory. Uh, fascinating theory, especially when you look at the current geopolitical things and what people are doing. It makes you think um, exactly what is behind their actions. And there's probably, you know, they're playing 5D chess out there. So it's really interesting to read this stuff and kind of think if uh, maybe there's some of these tactics at play. I know you could see some of them. So let's see. Law number three, conceal your intentions. Always hide your true intentions. Create a smoke screen. If you keep people off balance and in the dark, they can't counter your efforts. Smart. Law number four, always say less than necessary. Say little and be ambiguous, leaving the meaning to others to interpret. 
The less you say, the more intimidating and powerful you are. Law number five. See, it's like, do you really want to be intimidating and powerful? It's like, this, so this is the thing about this book. But Number five. So much depends on reputation. Guard it with your life. Nurture and guard your reputation because reputation is in integral to power. With a strong reputation, you can influence and intimidate others. Law number six. Create an air of mystery. Uh, any attention, positive or negative, is better than being ignored. Attention brings you wealth. And we see this. Yeah, we see this a lot with uh, in, in our lives. Um, create an air of mystery. Okay, law number seven. Get others to do the work for you, but always take the credit. You see, this is the kind of dirty things that it says. Get, other work, get others to do your work for you. Use their skill of time and energy to further your ambitions. While taking full credit, you'll be admired for your efficiency. Okay, law number eight, make other people come to you. Use bait if necessary. Make your opponent come to you. When you force others to act, you're in control. Bait them, then attack. Yeah, very Sun Tzu. Law number nine, win through your actions, never through argument. I like that, actually. So demonstrate your point rather than arguing. Arguing rarely changes anyone's mind, but people believe what they see. They're so also less likely to be offended. Wow. So yeah, you can't show the people. I'm sorry. You can't tell the people. You've got to show the people. How many times have we heard that? You can't tell the people. You've got to show the people. And that's winning through your actions. Wow. So we see that in real life. Law number 10, infection. Avoid the unhappy and unlucky. Avoid miserable people. The perpetually, the perpetually miserable spread misery like an infection and they'll drown you in it. This is the thing, you know, surround yourself with people that lift you, not people that drown you. I believe in that. That's for sure. I'll take that away as a good thing from this book that isn't creepy. Yeah. You know what? When I'm around people I don't want to be around, I leave. I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. And I have no problem with that. I'm not worried about hurting anybody's feelings or nothing. I'm just like, hey, I got to go. I got something to come up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Sorry. I don't want to be involved with nonsense or drama or dangerous situations or losers i don't hang out with losers sorry um thank you patriotic pisces summer for donating the one diamond much love all right let's keep going here law number 11 learn to keep people dependent on you this is kind of gross but make your superior dependent on you the more she needs you the more security and freedom you have to pursue your goals Okay. Law number 12, use selective honesty and generosity to disarm your victim. Use honesty and generosity to disarm and distract others from your schemes, even if the most suspicious people respond to acts of kindness, leaving them vulnerable to manipulation. See, this is kind of shysty. Selective honesty. Law 13, when asking for help, appeal to people's self-interest, never to their mercy or gratitude. When you need help from someone in a position of power, appeal to their self-interest. They'll be glad to help if they'll get something in return. And you'll get what you want without something, without seeming desperate or irritating. Yeah, you know, just a good old quid pro quo, everybody. Just a quid pro quo. That's that lesson. All right. <laughs> this for that. <laughs> All right. Let's see, this is kind of evil, but this is what people do, man. We see quid pro quos all the time, which there are healthy ways to do this. Like compromise, for example, could be a quid pro quo. Hey, you know, I really want to do this. If you, you know, kind of help me out, we'll go do this for you later. What do you say? Okay, yeah, let's do that. Sounds cool. Fine. But it gets sketchy and when you get into other aspects of life, but that's okay. You know, I look at it as a compromise, I guess is a, probably a healthy way to go about it. Um, but I guess it's situational. Um... Law number 14, poses pose as a friend, work as a spy. Be friendly, sympathetic, and interested to get people to reveal their deepest thoughts and feelings. When you know your opponent's secrets, you can predict his behavior and control him. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. Uh, law number 15, crush your enemy totally. Crush your enemy completely. Even if you leave even one ember smoldering, smoldering it will eventually ignite. You can't afford to be lenient. Number 16. Oh, they're going to make me go to a different site. Uh, use absence to increase respect and honor. Um, 
the more you're seen and heard from, you the more you cheapen your brand. Interesting. Keep others in suspended terror. Cultivate an air of unpredictable unpredictability. Slot number 17. Throw others off balance and unnerve them with random, unpredictable acts. You'll gain the upper hand. Uh, that's that's pretty wild. Law number 18, don't build fortresses to protect yourself. Isolation is dangerous. Never isolate yourself when under pressure. This cuts you off from the information you need, and when real danger arises, you won't see it coming. Law 19, who know who you're dealing with. Do not offend the wrong person. When attempting to deceive someone, know who you're dealing with so you don't waste your time or stir up a hornet's nest. Uh, don't commit to anyone. Wow. Law number 20, don't commit to anyone. Do not commit to any side or cause except yourself. By, ma by maintaining your independence, you remain in control. Others will vie for your attention. You also have the ability to put pit sides against each other. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is some evil stuff, but interesting nonetheless. <laughs> Summer gets a total commie vibe from this. Yeah, it's like the really power hungry like tenants. There's some of them are evil. Law twenty one, play a sucker to catch a sucker. Seem dumber than your mark, right? Law twenty two, use a surrender tactic, transform weakness into power. Alright. Let's see if I can find the full list of the rest. Um, one moment here. Maybe this one is it. All right, I think that was. What number did we leave on? Like twenty. Yeah, use the surrender tactic. Transform weakness into power. Okay, number twenty-three. Concentrate your forces. Number twenty-four. Play the perfect courtier. And each one of these has a story, a historical example of why these are one of the laws. And it's pretty interesting to hear this historical context into these and to read about it. That's why I did enjoy this book. But the way it's applied and how it's put out there, like, here's how you gain success and go about your life is kind of gross. But people live their lives like this, and it could be somebody, it could be your neighbor, it could be somebody near you. So, I mean, being aware of it definitely doesn't hurt. That's kind of where I'm coming from. Um, number 24, or number 25, recreate yourself. Number 26, keep your hands clean. Not literally, but I imagine it's like don't do dirty work kind of thing. Um, you know, and for all the detail, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. Number 27, create a cult-like following by playing on people's need to believe. That's gross right there create a cult-like following oh my gosh so there you go summer you're right creepy create a cult-like following yeah you know like uh serial killers and stuff yeah number 28 enter action with boldness i like that one 29 plan all the way to the end as a matter of fact that's a really good one i don't I kind of learned this in life is if you plan everything along the way, you're going to be disappointed. But if you plan your outcome, you're like, at the end of the day, I just want this to be achieved. That's much more attainable. And the course you take to get there usually isn't the way you imagine it in your head before you get going. So planning all the way to the end or even just planning the end is great. And you won't be disappointed um, once you're there with the path that you had to take to get there. Yeah, things never go to plan. Yeah, things never go to plan. Number 30, make your accomplishments seem effortless. I guess that's just how people will perceive you as just, wow, he did this whole thing that was actually really difficult, but it didn't seem like it. Okay. 31, control the options. Get others to play with the cards you deal. 32, play into people's fantasies. Yeah, psychological warfare. Not good. Number 33, discover each man's thumbscrew. It's about controlling others. Again, number 34, be royal in your own fashion. Act like a king to be treated like one. Okay. Number 35, master the art of timing. Interesting. 36, disdain things you cannot have. Ignoring them is the best revenge. All right. 37, create compelling spectacles. 38, Think as you like, but behave like others. 
Okay, I guess like camouflage yourself. Stir up waters to catch fish. Number 40, despise the free lunch. That's a good one. I think I have a story on that. We may come back. Number 41, avoid stepping into a great man's shoes. Number 42, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Okay, I guess like cut off the head of the snake. 43, work on the hearts and minds of others. More psychological warfare. 44, disarm and infuriate with the mirror effect. Number 45, preach the need for change, but never reform too much at once. Some of these really are terrible. Uh, number 46, never appear too perfect. All right. Number 47, don't go past the mark you aimed for. In victory, learn when to stop. Oh, okay, so like don't get selfish, I guess. Number 48, assume formlessness. All right, here's a quote from the book. Quote, do not leave your reputation to change or gossip. It is your life's artwork, and you must craft it, hone it, and display it with the care of an artist. All right. I do want to go, excuse me, to um, this one, the free lunch. Except, uh, despise a free lunch. Accepting free gifts creates a sense of obligation. You can lead to future favors being expected. They can lead to future favors being expected. Green suggests that free lunches are often not really free. They come with strings attached. For example, a lunchtime meeting with a potential client might be seen as an opportunity to make a sales pitch. In other words, there's usually an ulterior motive behind free lunches. There's no such thing as a free lunch. If you're, someone's trying to give you something for free, there's something going on. That is not normal. That's just set off red flags in your head. That's a, that's a big one. If something's too good to be true, too, like it's probably a scam. Holy crap, be careful with scams out there. There are no free lunches, all right? Life ain't that easy. Come on, are you crazy? Whoever got their success that way or whoever got anything that way? Almost nobody. Yeah, there are these weird cases where things happen, but I'm just saying, y'all, there's no such thing as a free lunch. I like that law. That's real. That's real right there. So, yeah, it's an interesting book full of manipulation. You're right, Summer. You're absolutely right. And be careful because there's creepy, manipulative people out there. There's psychopaths. There's all kinds of folks, all right? And they walk among us. So with us being aware of what the hell's going on and how people think and all this kind of thing, protects ourselves and keeps us on the right track of where you're trying to go. Because, look, the fact of the matter is people are crazy. They're all around us. And that's just how I look at it. Sociopaths. Yeah. Yeah, some of you are sociopaths, statistically. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> Not naming any names. I'm just kidding, guys. Well, you think about it, statistically speaking. There's got to be a couple out there. I don't know the statistics, but you'd think, right? That's all right. <clears throat> Everybody's got their thing. Um, so that's a really interesting book, you guys. 48 Laws of Power. If you're interested and you get into it, hit me up about it or come to the Zoom after chats and let's talk about it. I'd love to hear about it. Um, Written by a narcissist, perhaps. Maybe. I don't know much about Robert Greene. It would be interesting to learn more about him. <laughs> yeah, Meow Time said, If this guy had 60 to 65 jobs in his life when he wrote this book, does that mean that he worked like less than a half a year for each one? Yeah, I don't know. It's wild, though, huh? Oh, my God. Who knows? That's weird. That's weird. That's kind of weird. <laughs> Good point, Meow Meow. <laughs> All right. Thumbscrew. I don't even want to know. Okay. <laughs> I think that's like, let me look that up. What the thumb screw one? Oh, shoot. Sorry. All right. Well, let's see. Maybe we'll do one more story. Um, should we do this one? Asking for help in a way that shows how it will benefit the other person. No. Or, if you lack the strength to beat an enemy, temporary surrender is the best way to bewilder him. Oh, that's probably a war example. I'm trying to find the best story here, based on memory. Know what you want, and plan that to the end. This one's kind of shysty, but let's do it. Ask for help in a way that shows how it will benefit the other person, not how it will benefit you. Not necessarily always an evil thing to do, but it's definitely manipulative, and that could be seen as negative. But let's see the story. Through deception and slaughter, Castruccio Castra, uh, Castracciani 
uh, Hastrasani, 1281-1328, became the ruler of the Italian city of Lucha. His ascendancy was possible only with the aid of an influential family, the Poggios. I'm going to butcher these names, and I'm sorry. Um, but he ignored them once he had secured power. While Castruccio was away battling or Castruccio was away battling neighboring kingdoms, the Poggios whipped up the anger from other prominent families and they prepared to battle those loyal to Castruccio. Castruccio. It would have been a massacre of Stef if Stefano, a respected Poggio elder, had not convinced his family to lay down arms and try negotiating. When Castruccio returned, he was surprised to find his city was serene and not in flames after receiving word while abroad of unrest and rebellion back home. Stefano came to the ruler explaining how he specified the warning parties and asked for mercy on his rash and rowdy family. Stefano, Stefano asked him to remember how the Poggio family had supported his rise to power and begged that he listen to their complaints. Castruccio seemed ready to, ready to relent. He asked Stefano to bring in the Poggio family so he could hear their grievances. When the family came, every single Poggio was rounded up, imprisoned, and executed, including the peace, peaceable Stefano. Stefano di Poggio believed the, that lofty ideals like gratitude and goodness would win him out, would win out. He tried to leverage his family's past good deeds to ensure good deeds from Castruccio uh, Castruccio in return, he should have paid more attention to Castruccio's savagery and deception en route to the throne. That would have been a far better predictor of his behavior than hoping for a surge of goodwill. When you are seeking, seeking assistance, your best bet is to appeal to people's self-interest rather than the better angles of their nature. Gratitude is great, but it is a heavy burden and one that many people are happy to get rid of. Castruccio eliminated his moral debt by eliminating his debtors. Stefano would have had more success reminding the king of his family's influence and what they could still do for him, their connections to the powerful families and what they could unlock for him. We all know the Castruccio type, who only speaks the language of force and ambition. You win over, or at least specify, pragmatists, not by reminding them of good past deeds you did, but by promising them future deeds that will benefit them. You will inevitably find yourself in positions where you have to ask the people ask people for favors. Your best bet is to uh, is to appeal to their own interests, not begging them for mercy or trying to cash in on past favor uh, a past favor they have no obligation to honor. You know, as creepy as these things are, I do see a little bit of wisdom in them, in some cases. Interesting. Susie Q twenty says that's terrifying. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Um, but let's see. Mr. Plum says, when a person first does something, he always fails. Why? It's because he never has given enough, but rather it's because he hasn't given enough. It's never because he hasn't given enough, but rather have too much. Becoming a master requires learning not just how to do something, but how. Okay, I don't think it's a finished thought. Alright, y'all. That's that's 48 Laws of Power. Um, let's go a little bit longer. I do want to talk about 50 Cent's 10 Rules for Success, which is pretty cool. I liked them, and it was kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like a self-help kind of lane of things, but it's fun. Number one, he says, be you. Don't, you know, don't listen to what other people are saying. Just be you. You can't be somebody else. That's like, I thought of myself, like, I don't come on here and try to be Josh, right? I'm not Joshopedia, and I don't try to pretend to be, and if I did, it would not work. I just got to be myself, otherwise I'd really be screwed. So I kind of see, like, that's how this works, right? You got to be yourself, otherwise you're just fake, or it's lame, and people could tell. Um, believe in yourself. Number two is believe in yourself. Yeah, whatever you want to do, believe you can do it, go for it. Uh, number three, don't be ashamed of your past. You know, 50 Cent, like I said, he lived a crazy past, and that doesn't mean it needs to define his future. Don't be ashamed of your past. Own, past, own it. Own it. Continue forward. Uh, number four, and people make mistakes all the time. You know, like, yesterday is the past. So if I fucked up yesterday, like when I yelled, told that lady F you, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm talking about it. I'm trying to be better. Like, that's cool. Keep going. 
number four, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. Yeah, things don't always happen on the timeline that is in your head. So just keep trying. Number five, it's not about the money. That's a good one. It really isn't. Number six, what will your legacy be? You know, what do you want to be known for at the end of the day? That's a big one. I think legacy is huge. And when I think of legacy, I think of people like Trump and stuff who just have this crazy legacy of being wonderful people. Um, despite any lies that are out there. Number seven, do what you love. Heck yeah. I like that one. Number eight, don't be afraid. Fear holds people back so much. Yeah, fear is, yeah, to be feared. Don't be afraid. Do it. Number nine, give back. That's big. That's a good one. Number ten, have a sense of humor. Number 10 should be number one, have a sense of humor. I love humor. If it wasn't for humor, holy mackerel, I don't know where I would be, but I love to joke around with you guys and laugh and create funny memes and do things on the internet and just joke around with people in person too is the best. Um, inside jokes, nothing better. Uh, just silliness. Oh, it's so fun. I love having a good laugh. Jim Bob and I had a good laugh last night with his uh, bit about... Uh, <laughs> baked potato farms when the potato is like a uh, towelie. It's a high potato and it's the mascot for baked potato farms. And uh, he says, you're a potato. <laughs> so that's my favorite moment of the weekend with Jim Bob there. Good times. Uh, also, Jim Bob posted a beam of himself because <laughs> he was wearing an eye patch last night for a costume. And uh, he posted a meme of himself next to Dan Crenshaw, and he said, who wore it better? Uh, so freaking funny. So that's on the app. If you guys didn't see it, go back to Jim Bob's posts. All right, Jules, thank you for the cookie. I appreciate the donation, you guys. I think we'll stop here. Um, we did. I did want to go through the stoic stoicism stuff, but I guess we could do that another day. I love stoicism and the uh, knowledge that was passed forward from those times. Um, maybe we'll do that another day stoicism but let me know what you guys think about this stuff in the comments thank you mammy on time for the um donation and everybody else who donated it in case i missed any i do appreciate it and we'll go back and check out all the comments and stuff if you guys want to comment on rumble let me know your thoughts and opinions if you've read the book if you plan on it that's all great in about an hour um half hour to an hour um I'll be posting the link to the Zoom on the social Red Pill. If you guys want to come in there and say hi to me and the rest of the Red Pill, fam Red Pill family, please do. I'd love to see you there. We're just going to have a casual conversation about this or various other things. Nothing too uh, strict or anything like that. Just to kind of chill, hang out. Um, yeah, so you guys are all welcome to join that. To get there, you just go to the Social Red Pill, www.socialredpill.com. It is free to join. Welcome to all the new members who've joined recently. It's really great to see you guys coming in and uh, checking things out. Even if you're just lurking around, that's okay. You could do the same thing in the Zoom, join. You don't got to show your picture. You don't, even, you don't have to talk. You can just type if you want. But uh, it's great to see you all come in there and poke your head in and say hi. We appreciate that. Tomorrow is a day off for the Red Pill project how actually it's not really because mick and Velen have a show tomorrow afternoon um on all of these channels most of these channels at least if you want to catch those on d live and pilled or on redpills.tv tune in tomorrow to mick and Velen's show uh true spiracy which is pretty cool they kind of go off the deep end on the weekends too so it's a good time check it out mick and Velen are absolute legends if you guys don't watch their show it's worth a worth a watch I tune in from time to time when I have time. Thank you guys for your time. I really appreciate your time. It is very valuable. And to have you guys watching and participating in our shows is truly an honor. And I appreciate that. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I talk way too much. So come to the Zoom and have an opportunity, opportunity to talk. Pardon me. I'd love to hear what you say. Um... And appreciate you all. So I'll see you guys all Monday morning with another episode of Morning Coffee with Andrea and myself. We're going to talk about the news and all that stuff happening Monday morning. 
Um, and then we'll go in from there. We'll have the daily dose every night as well, Monday through Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific with Joshua Reed. And then we have the lineup of Fringe episodes with wonderful guests coming up in the future. Tune in to hear what those will be. Sign up for the newsletter for updates on what's going on every day at redpills.tv if you're interested and just to keep posted you know if we get washed off of rumble one day we'll communicate through the email just so you could keep in touch with us and we appreciate that so you guys take care have a great weekend let me know what's going on in your lives i'd love to hear the feedback join the social red pill uh and just have a great time so thank you guys again godspeed take care